Welcome to the Just Grace Podcast. My name is Eloy. And on the show, we talk about all things that need grace. Today, I got my friends with me. We're at uh, Ryan's cabin here with Ryan and then also with John. He's a worship director at our church. Ryan also serves on the worship team and on the elder board. So it's glad to have you guys here on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So we're up here at the cabin today uh, doing some songwriting, trying to, uh, you know, put some good lyrics in the mouths of the people. So what has been your favorite thing about this whole songwriting process? That we finally started it. It's been, it's been in the works for a while. We've taken a few stabs at it, so it's good to actually uh, kind of start to get the ball rolling on the whole process. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for me, I think uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to not just scratch that itch that I think God's put in all of us, but um, to do it in a way that is very specific to LBC yeah. and to um, be able to, you know, effectively and kind of pastorally look at, you know, what do our people need to be singing? What do our people need to hear? What do our people need to know about God yeah. and being able to gather together with brothers like you guys and um, be able to, you know, um, search the scriptures and, and see what, see what comes out and be able to put that in song form for our people is just, it's an exciting process. And like Ryan said, it is a long time coming. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's good. And just hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're having a great time <laughs> when it comes to, um, like the song selection, you know, you were thinking of writing music. What is it? What goes through your process of thinking of like, this song is good for the congregation to sing. What do you think about what's your criteria? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, so at here at LBC, we kind of have it limited to, to kind of three questions. So, um, <clears throat> as anyone knows, there's, there's a ton of worship songs that are being produced every day, uh, in the evangelical American West. Um, and just because it's got Jesus in it doesn't mean that it's true. And it doesn't mean that it's worth singing. And it doesn't mean that, um, it's even talking about the same God. So, it is imperative that uh, worship leaders and you know worship pastors and elders, um, as as much as we talk about guarding what is preached in the church, we need to equally be guarding what is sung in the church because what is sung inevitably becomes what your church believes. Um, sometimes even more so than the preaching, if we're honest. Most people, when they're leaving the church, they're thinking about what they were singing. That's yeah. what's stuck in their heads versus what's being preached. Uh, so we, we take that really seriously. And so we have kind of three criteria, um, whenever a song is presented or whenever we come across a song that is potentially meets the very narrow, narrow standard of what gets sung from our stage and what gets put into the mouths and minds of our people. Um, so number one, we start with, uh, asking the question, is it true? Is, is what is stated in this song that we were looking at is everything that is stated in here true? not in terms of our feelings or emotions, but in terms of what God's word has said about who God is, um, how God has revealed himself through his word. Does it line up? Um, that's the first thing. And if it doesn't, then obviously that's a song that we ditch. That's the most important piece. Yeah. So before we even look at how it sounds, it's, is it true? Is what's being said here true of God and true of ourselves and true of life? Um, and then secondly, uh, we look at more practically, uh, is this song singable? And so this is getting into more of the musicality of it. The average person, you know, can't do near what a musical performer can do. 
And so um, that's something that always needs to be kept in mind because worship, uh, we believe, is a participatory event. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens on stage is secondary to what's happening in the pews. So like our purpose for existing is to help guide and lead people to obey the commands to sing God's praises. And uh, that's our job as worship leaders is to help facilitate that and to make that easy for God's people to obey that command to sing his praises. And so we want to um, ask that question, is this song singable? Is it too hard? And we've had to ditch really great theologically rich songs sometimes mm -hmm. because by the third time we've sung it as a congregation, they're still not singing yeah, it. It's not getting it. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Uh, but there are times where we've had to kind of ditch a song because mm -hmm. it just, it was too hard. It was too difficult or the melody didn't make sense or, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole host of reasons, but we just look for, is it, is it simple? Is it singable? Um, is it something that the average person can follow along with? Uh, and then third is thinking more pastorally, is this LBC? In other words, is it, is it right for our people right now? Um, is this, is this a song that our people need to be singing and need to be hearing right now? And sometimes we've introduced songs that were singable, that were true, um, that were fantastic. And, and the people for the most part were singing it, but not really engaging with it. And so we'll put it on the shelf for a while. And there have been times where we've brought it back, like King Forevermore, God, the uncreated one yeah. is a really big one that we sing. The first time we brought that song out, there was kind of mild participation with it. Um, we put it on the shelf for about a year and a half, brought it back out, and it was exactly what our people needed for the stage of where we were at as a church. And that's when the church really latched onto it and embraced it and sang it with gusto. And, and uh, you know, so it's just asking that question, is this, is this a song that our people need to be singing? And is this a song that LBC needs to, needs to hear? So those are kind of our three criteria. Is it, is it true? Is it singable? Can we participate with it? And is it what our people need? Hmm. So with John, with you coming on LBC mm -hmm. in the last, how many years? It's Seven, eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And Ryan, you've been at LBC. Almost my whole life. Your whole life. So, a lifer. Yeah, about 35 years. Right. So you, you've you seen the ups and downs of the worship team and choir, yeah. right, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So when has, um, when have you noticed like, being on that side um, mm -hmm. in the congregation through the history of like what makes LBC LBC. Um, how have you seen that change? Like what music ministered to the congregation at that time and place? Um, what's one that stands out to you? Maybe when you were younger, now that you're older, you see that that's what we need to sing then. And that's what we need to sing now. Yeah. It's hard to know as a kid, I just kind of showed up and sang it. I wasn't really thinking too deeply into it. Um, but there was the whole choir, sometimes an orchestra, um, 40 people on stage. And I just thought that was normal because this is the only church mm -hmm. I really ever know. Um, and then as I got older and became a musician myself and started uh, serving on the team, um, I got to peek behind the curtain a little bit and see um, the thought process behind songs that were chosen and then um, at some point we were without a worship leader and I was on the elder board at that time. So I was tasked with on a volunteer role, taking over the worship team. Um, so I shoulder tapped two other guys to help in that process. And we kind of shared the load and, um, I was given a voice to help shape that culture a little bit mm. 
and it forced me as I was crafting services to really think about songs pastorally and look at what the songs are saying. We didn't, I think there was a time in our history where we just played songs that were popular. And, um, and to be honest, during that time, I was only listening to, to the guitar parts. I wasn't really listening to what it was saying. Um, I'm a guitar player. So I was, if a song had great lead lines, I was mm -hmm. like way into it, mm -hmm. regardless of what it was saying. Um, but being put in, in a leadership role forced me to, to choose songs differently and look at what it was saying and kind of shape my own idea of what worship is biblically. Mm -hmm. And that helped um, shape the type of person we should be hiring. Hmm. Yeah. And who would you hire? Uh, this guy named John. Hey, <laughs> he's right here. You know him? Yeah. He did a good job. <laughs> yeah. He's good at games too. Uh, we don't talk about what st happens at the cabin with the board games and the card games stay at the cabin. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep that on the down low. Yeah. So <clears throat> with uh, that whole idea of the music selection being so key and so important, mm -hmm. give me some, what goes through your head when it comes to let's think more practically, like the appearance of the stage, how you look, how you act, like what is your face saying? Like, I, I want like think through that because mm. that, that also the visual part and the music part, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. So what do you want the people to see and what do you like teach your worship team to show? It's a great question, man. That's a good question. <laughs> Short answer, and it's not, uh, short answer is I want our people to see Christ. Um, they're not going to tangibly see Christ on me. I don't think. <laughs> well, some people <laughs> think, our, think yeah. that's possible. <laughs> so, yeah, some people might think that's possible. I question that. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, and we, we've shared this and talked about this as a, as a ministry quite a bit that. Um, our greatest goal, our, you know, we measure success on a Sunday morning. Uh, if, if people come in as they are on Sunday morning, carrying all the stuff that they have had throughout the week, that all the things that they're carrying, you know, <clears throat> some people we know right now are battling cancer. Um, and yet they're worshiping Christ every Sunday. You know, you've, you've got people who are facing financial ruin, people with broken relationships. Everybody's coming in with something. Some people are walking in. It's the best day of their life. Um, Sunday morning is, is successful if if we have collectively opened God's word, sung God's word, heard God's word preached and sat under the authority of that, uh, prayed God's word, seen it in either communion or baptism. Um, and having if if our people can walk out still with cancer, <laughs> let's be real, yeah. um, still with financial problems, still with broken relationships, but we want our people to walk out. Um, you know, not, not believing that all those things have magically somehow disappeared, um, mm -hmm. but walking out more confident in who their God is as they face those challenges, more confident in the fact that God's steadfast love rests on them. We want people to see Christ and be able to compare all of their problems against the great promises of God's word and be able to walk out in the confidence of knowing that God's got it, that he holds us fast, that he will keep us to the end and we can go another week. We can go another day. We can keep going because heaven is our home because our God is sovereign and our God is good and he loves us in Christ. Um, we want people to walk out confident in who their God is. So I want people to see Christ. I don't want them to see us. They don't need to hear my opinion. They don't need to hear the worship leaders rant. 
they don't need to hear. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they don't they don't need to hear whatever new quippy thing I've come up with. This you don't week. want to tell them about the butterflies in your belly. No, that, are... that doesn't matter. And <laughs> what I'm feeling doesn't matter. What matters is who God is. We need to see God. We need to behold Him as He is, because that's what transforms us. That's what shapes us as children of God. And so, um, I want to be as as invisible as possible. And so, you know, we don't, you know, we have a dress code on stage, you know, and it's just that dress code is, is not to be legalistic. The dress code is to help us as a team kind of blend into the stage and disappear. We want people to focus on the words that are being sung, the truths that are being expressed. And so if we're expressing a very happy and glorious truth, I want people to see joy on my face. Mm-hmm. If we're expressing very deep confession sometimes painful confession, honest confession, that should reflect on our faces as well. Um, That's what helps guide people's emotions in worship, not manipulating people's emotions, but guiding people's emotions of, you know, maybe, you know, what we are feeling in the truths that are being sung, but also sometimes what we should be feeling. What we should be feeling. Um, And so, you know, but all of that is not trying to manufacture emotion in people. It's trying to help people encounter the truths of God's word and help them feel the truth of what we're singing, of what God's word says about who he is and how we are to respond to him. So I want people to see Christ. Yeah. Period. And and so anything that distracts from that or that seeks to raise the glory of LBC, you know, burn it to the ground. Like <laughs> I don't want yeah. I don't want any part of that because we, church doesn't I mean people don't need anything other than Christ as he's revealed himself in his word. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you're mentioning that kind of this role that the worship team plays in is this uh, communication with the congregation mm-hmm. that breaks the wall that kind of gets set when you're on the worship team. Like, oh, they're yeah. they're they're too high, they're too cool, can't talk to them. No, but you're you're in there with them, right? You know, you're talking about the people who have cancer. You're talking about the people that are struggling with things. Mm-hmm. And unless you're in that community of believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and with them one-on-one kind of that discipleship and just bearing each other's mm-hmm. burdens that translates onto mm-hmm. this, the platform per se that, um, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Right. We're the lo- the local body of believers, mm-hmm. yeah. right? We're and not, that's why like, um, as a guitar player, when I'm, um, scheduled on a Sunday, my goal doesn't always happen. But my goal is to memorize the songs mm-hmm. before Sunday so that I can participate and, mm-hmm. and sing while I'm playing as much as I can. I can't multitask very well, but as much as I can. And if I'm staring at the chart, I lose that participation element. Um, some weeks I make it happen and some weeks I don't. But that's mm-hmm. the goal for me is how do I serve and participate at the same time? And what you just said, Eloy, um, really like uh, uh, taps into not a controversial, but a, 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 an aspect of worship leadership that doesn't get talked about enough. And it's that technically I'm not a worship leader. And neither are you. We only, there's only one worship leader, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I mean, let's just be honest here. Uh, like, there's one true worship leader. That's why I don't. That's why there's no real job description of a worship leader that you find in the New Testament church. Or there's barely kind of a skeleton of one in the Old Testament. Yeah. But like, you, <laughs> Jesus is our worship leader. He's the one who we come and we open the Word to see what He says to us. And then we respond in singing his praises. 
as we sing of who he is. Um, he's the one who guides us. He's the one who perfects our worship. Yeah, he is the word and he's the revelation of himself exactly. to us. And so we're not coming with our own ideas no. and our own concepts. We need God to worship God. Exactly. We need his help to worship him. And so the worship leader, quote unquote, the human worship leader, my job on a Sunday is simply to hold out God's word and, to, and instruct the congregation together with me. We all, myself included, need to behold Christ. Yep. Look to Christ. Sing what it says. And as we see something of who he is, we respond in praises or we respond in surrender or we respond in silence if need be. Um, but, you know, that's that's a very important distinction that often gets overlooked. Um, one that rocked my world as I've grown in this. One thing I appreciate <clears throat> about LBC and, uh, you know, being on the worship team which has been wonderful is that you guys have these core values. And I know one of them is like, it's not about what you can do. It's not about your talent. It's more about mm -hmm. your character. Mm -hmm. and that one character that, over competence. Character. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, and that, that one is the one that in uh, kind of my history of seeing and, and participating in, in the worship kind of scene is people usually prioritize the competence, yeah, the skill yeah. more than the character. Um, what are the benefits of prioritizing? Maybe you don't have the best guitar player, but you have someone who is uh, a true follower of Jesus. What are the mm -hmm. benefits of that? Um, the benefits is that they're in it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. They're not there. Um, another core value is, um, servanthood over spotlight and those two tie in so well together because mm -hmm. you know that they're there as a servant they understand that god's given them gifts and the church doesn't exist for their gifts to be displayed but the opposite yeah. those gifts exist to serve the church and um as they grow in their spiritual maturity they understand that and you know they're serving with the right heart Mm -hmm. um, and that's just to hold out Christ as the greatest good we'll ever know. Yeah. And they get to play guitar while doing it. <laughs> it's a bonus. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I look at the, the qual. you know, every time you see qualifications of an elder, the qualifications for any office in the church, if, if you look at those lists and like, you know, was it first Timothy and Titus, when you, when you look at those lists of qualifications of an elder or pastor, for instance, um, only one or two, of the listed qualification are skills are skills. Mm. The rest of them have everything to do with your character and your yeah, heart. Right. And of course, Paul's writing the under the inspiration of the Holy spirit. And you know, so, but it's truth that he's writing from here that clearly this is God's desire as well, that we focus more on character than we do competence. Um, because just like, just like Ryan said, you can, you can enter into this with this mentality of the church exists for me to spotlight my gifts and talents. Well, that's really satanic um, when you boil it all down. That is the polar opposite of why the church gathers together. We don't gather together to look at ourselves. We do that all week long. That's terrible. That's exactly why we have issues. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and off of the world and place them where they belong, which is on him who sits on the highest throne, Jesus Christ, coming out next year. Um, hey, now. <laughs> so it's a... Uh, uh, it, you know, to me, it's also just in line with 
uh, with scripture. And when we talk about character, we're not talking about perfection because that doesn't exist. No, nobody on our team is perfect. Nobody on our team doesn't drop the ball. Um, nobody on our team doesn't need to repent of something. When I talk about character and when you look at the character of, of, of a qualified man to pastor or to, or to be an elder, what I see is a person who understands the gospel and understands it well enough to live a life of active repentance, that they don't tolerate sin in their, in their life, mm-hmm. that they readily confess it before God and others. Um, and somebody who loves Christ more than their own spotlight or their own attaboys. Um, mm-hmm. somebody who simply wants to serve the church because they love Jesus Christ. I'll take a mediocre guitar player, a mediocre drummer, um, who has that kind of a heart who just loves Christ and his church and wants Christ and wants the church to grow over anybody who can, yeah. you know, who's a, who's a, who's a session artist in their instrument, but yet doesn't love Christ. There's just no comparison. Mm-hmm. I'll always pick the mediocre guy. Always. And God's been faithful to us to give us people that possess both. Yep. Yeah. Which is, which is, yeah, that's awesome. So we've talked about the local body church worship leading with this, uh, you know, local congregation, how, um, you know, you're to, to carry this weight of leading the worship that you said that Christ ultimately leads, but we get to, Mm -hmm. you know, show them Christ, Mm -hmm. how they can, you know, uh, uh, really like, you want songs that they can just lay and rest in the work of Christ. You want the yeah. work of Jesus. So with, with all that being said from the, the worship team to the um, everyone participating in this local body of believers, what do you have to say? It's the last question about if you can tell the big C church, mm-hmm. the big congregation of believers, what they should do when it's, worship time at church, what should they do? By worship time, you mean? When it's the music starts when it's time to and, sing. and it's time to time sing, to sing. Yeah. what should they focus on? What What would you tell them is the most important thing? Sing. To not waste that time. That's why you going to just say that is sing. That's the command. Sing. Sing. We're commanded hundreds of times in scripture to sing. And, 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 we, and we, I don't think we... The church, capital C, has, has not done a great job of instructing people as to why we should sing. And in American culture and in the West, we don't place a high priority on that. We've allowed it to become, for some reason, this effeminate thing, which is completely, we're like the first culture to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we've, we've allowed singing to just become this kind of secondary thing, or it's the warm-up yeah. to the sermon. I always hear that. Yeah. The like, war- men the used to sing to the in the wars. The what? Like men used to sing in battle. That's exactly right. Singing traditionally has been by men yeah. going into battle for the purpose of uniting one another. Yeah. For the purpose it's of terrifying. building one another up. Uh, it, and it was terrifying. Yeah. It, it absolutely was a terrifying thing. We see that Israel did that. And it wasn't unique to Israel. Virtually every culture has yeah. done that. And even today, um, whenever I talk to men who struggle to sing, you know, I tell them, you, you don't have, or, or they struggle with their emotions. You know, they, they, they can't get into it, you know, whatever that means. Um, they can't get motivated in their feelings to sing God's praises or be passionate about the things of God. And I tell them every time, you don't have a passion problem. You don't even have a singing problem, no. really. Mm. Because, and the reason I know that is because when your favorite team is tanking on the field, mm-hmm. you have a visceral reaction to that when you're watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, when you 
you know, let's bring it to music. You know, when you're listening to your favorite artist live, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they're playing your song and you, there's something in you that wells up that has to sing along that has to join in with the crowd who is also there for that same express purpose. Mm -hmm. The problem is not that we have a passion problem or an emotion problem or a singing problem. The problem is that we just don't really treasure the things of Christ. We love everything else more and we allow our affections. And that's really what we do on a Sunday morning. We are shepherding people's affections. We allow our affections to go to everything but Christ. And so we wonder why we spend, if we spend six days a week, you know, giving our affections to everything else in this world apart from Christ and his word, we wonder why we show up on the seventh day of the week and we're not so passionate about the things of God. We've well, yeah. been sharing your affections all around mm -hmm. everything but Christ. And so when we gather on a Sunday morning, yeah, what is there to sing about if you don't delight in the gospel? What is there to sing about if you've lost track of how sinful you truly are <laughs> yeah. and how much Christ has done for you and the goodness of God and the fact that his love rests on you? Um, you know, I would just ask every listener to question, when's the last time the gospel moved you to tears? Yeah. That, that's a pretty good indication of where your heart is at or where you're giving your affections in life. You know, when, when people come, they need to come ready to sing, mm. ready to respond, because God's truth, the truth of who he is, is glorious. And glorious truths demand a glorious response. Mm -hmm. And that glorious response is not to come from the band on stage. It's to come from the voices of the people in the muse come from you. That's what makes his praise glorious. Yeah. And kind of speaking to the listeners, what John has said about when has the gospel moved you to, you know, respond in such a way that is, uh, you know, where you're captivated by what Christ has done. You're, you're convicted of your sins and you look to him for hope and security. Like there is that in the gospel. There is that in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again on the third day. He mm -hmm. ascended to the right hand of the father. He's interceding for you. And he will, he will deliver for all those who trust and cry out and put their faith and, re and then repent and turn from their sins. There's hope and there's life. And that's mm -hmm. something to sing about. And when you have that as the center, you're moved to worship. You're moved to respond to the things you're supposed to. And yeah. when the worship team is doing their job, uh, providing the the music and the and the the station to be able to uh, continue the worship that has been going on during the week. And that is what uh, this is. This is why we do it. Mm -hmm. We all get together to do it for this reason. So, I want to thank John Ryan for joining the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. We had a great fun. time here at the cabin. So, and thank you all for listening. And just remember to grow in grace. Thanks.